Hiya, thanks so much for joining me. In this recording, I'm going to talk about Sutra 1.12. So that's Chapter 1, Sutra 12. And in this sutra, we're really looking at two qualities in particular that it's said we're really needing to cultivate in order to reach this state of Chitta Vritti Narodaha. So in Chapter 1, Patanjali presents this idea that you know, yoga is that state where there's some stillness in the mind and we become really established in our true selves. So when we look at the Sanskrit in the sutra, abhyasa vairagya byam tani nirodaha. So the if we look at the exact translation or as close as we can abhyasa translates to mean practice vairagyabhyam dispassion and then tat nirodaha really looking at this idea of the reference to vritti a state of minds and Narodaha being that restrained or controlled state of mind. So the vritti are stilled by practice and dispassion is essentially what this sutra is teaching us. So if we take a deeper look at um, these two principles of practice and then dispassion which can also be translated in a way to be an idea of detachment so um so much of what we do is in expectation of achieving x y and z or wanting x y and z to happen so if we look at this um vairagyam this idea of detachment It's actually a very, very, very difficult um, quality to try and um, cultivate as a practitioner, but also as a teacher. So each and every student is different. And so this is why making an evaluation and designing a practice for the individual is so very important. Um, everybody has a very different body with very different um, issues that they might be struggling with. And then obviously um, the way we think and our minds are also very, very different. And so having a teacher design a practice that's specific for you where you can really um, commit yourself is so very important. And so when we look at um, this principle of practice. For many people, for a long time, it's very inconsistent. So even though we have the best of intentions to start a yoga practice and we know all of the benefits of doing yoga, even then it is very, very difficult to stay fairly committed to the practice and um, staying regular. So as far as 
teaching goes, but also, you know, for all of you students out there that are listening to this, there are several things over the years that I've found to be extremely helpful. Um, And the first one is probably cultivating that connection with a specific teacher. So different teachers will speak differently, will connect differently, will resonate differently with different people. And this is why I also say, you know, we should never really try and force someone like loved ones, sisters, husbands, friends to take up yoga. Um, because, you know, there might be a particular teacher or a particular practice that really calls to you, whereas to someone else, it just sort of falls short or doesn't sit quite right. So forming that connection with a teacher can be extremely helpful. Um, and we're seeing this become fairly rare today because there are so many options and so many um, different teachers and styles. And so really establishing this um, connection to an individual teacher is becoming um, more and more sort of um, rare, I think. And people are just preferring to cherry pick. But one of the biggest issues with that is that from what I've seen, the progress in terms of every aspect of the practice, be it physical, but also certainly on a mental and emotional level, is much, much slower when we have a variety of different teachers um, and a variety of different um, different methods of practicing. And I think that if we look at how tradi- traditionally yoga was taught, it was very much, you know, teacher really getting to know their student and student really getting to know their teacher. And then from there, both navigating the course. So as things changed, you've, you've had that, um, that relationship that you've built up and a teacher can really adapt and move with whatever's happening in your life. And I've certainly now since teaching, you know, for the last 12 or 13 years, I have students that have been with me for almost that long and seeing them through multiple pregnancies and seeing them through changes in, you know, lifestyle and changes in um, phases of life and really trying to work with them on that level is extremely rewarding both ways. So wherever possible, really foster that connection with a teacher Um, community falls into this as well. So really building that community around you so that you have like-minded people that are sharing the journey with you. Um, And again, you know, working at the studio in Lane Cove, having students that have been around for years and years and everybody knows everybody and um, it's amazing to see just how encouraging and supportive everybody is, especially in those times when um, they sense individuals need it most. So um, I think that that's a really, those are two things, connection to teacher and then connection to wider community that can really, really help to bolster this um, consistency in practice. There are two other things in particular that I want to talk about just in terms of um, also supporting this 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 uh, this principle of abhyasam practice and that's 
developing a time and space that's very specific for you. So, you know, you'll read it in all of the magazines and the yoga journals now that, oh, you know, the best time to practice is in the morning or the best time to practice is at this time and the best time is this and, you know, the best place is this. And, you know, life changes all of the time, but this idea of having an actual space that you go to, whether it be at a yoga studio or whether it be in your home, and that space is a dedicated space for you to do your practice in. And then also having a regular time in which you do your practice. And that's different for everybody. But that time and that space become almost like a little envelope. So if you can imagine, you know, you might turn up to that time and that space and you might feel like you don't want to practice. You don't want to do yoga can't be bothered, feeling a bit meh. And yet that time and space is there for you no matter what. And you might just lie down on your mat and take half the time you normally would, but you're there in your space. And you might just breathe for that 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Um, And then that time might then turn into, even though you're like, oh, I really don't want to do this, I'm just going to show up, lie on my mat. And that first five minutes or 10 minutes that you have intentions of doing some breathing might then turn into a little bit of stretching, might then turn into a few little vinyasas, might turn into, you know, a meditation, might turn into a reflection. And then before you know it, 20 minutes, half an hour has passed. But that time and space, having that there, that you can go to is important and it can really help to develop this consistency in practice. So that's the second thing I wanted to say. The third thing I've already touched on and that is this idea that a, a practice is specific for you. So a lot of students comment on how difficult it is to stay disciplined and how challenging it is to stay consistent with their physical practice and pranayama and meditation practices. But here's the thing. If the practice leaves you feeling invigorated and positive, that's a good indication that it's very specific for you and and tailored for you. Because a practice should never leave you really feeling exhausted, overextended, or um, in any way worse than what you felt before you hopped up onto your mat. And so it should really, if it's design specific for you, leave you feeling better for doing it. And that, that in itself will also really support this commitment to practice. But the issue we see is with most of us, we want to Um, either overextend or really challenge ourselves or really um, move towards something we might not quite be ready for or throw ourselves into perhaps practices or classes that aren't really well designed for where we're at and where our body's at and where our breath is at and where our mind is at um, and so on and so forth. So it, it's really more, much more complex. And this is the, again, the issue with group classes is that 
You just can't tailor a group class for 20 people. It's just not possible, you know. So um, it should be simple. It should leave you feeling better than when you hopped onto the mat. And this time and this space um, is specific for you. Always say, it's the difference between wearing something that's a one-size-fits-all and a really beautifully tailored jacket. So you really can't compare the two. Um, they're going to look and feel completely different on your body and your, your yoga practice should be seen in the same way. It's not to say that you can't attend group classes. Of course, there are benefits in that. But we really need to start looking at moving forward, especially for those of you that have been practicing for some time and perhaps can only get into the studio two or three times a week, the rest of those days, you know, are you doing a 20-minute, half-an-hour home practice that's very specific for you? So now I want to take up this um, this second quality that we're working to uh, develop, and that's this idea of vaidagyam, this idea of detachment, so essentially when we look at the teachings um, as presented from different teachers over the times, this idea is to give up any desire to reach the goal. And I've yet to meet a student that comes into the yoga studio and says, you know, my life's fabulous and I'm just here to make my life more fabulous. So, you know, there's there's always some desire. You know, we, we come to practice yoga for one reason or another, and that's different for everybody. Um, but we are trying to reach something, some sort of um, goal, whether it be to feel less pain on a physic in the physical body. Um, may, maybe we're experiencing some pain on an emotional, psychological level that we're also trying to overcome. But you know, we really need to try and understand that this is our intention. That we, you know, this is something that we're working towards. But we're not going to attach ourselves and judge each and every practice that we do on whether we achieve that goal or not. So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, we might, um, and I, we, you know, we see this, I see this at the studio all the time, especially with intermediate to advanced practitioners that are working towards a goal of an inversion of some sort. Now, we know that one of the primary um, purposes for an inversion is to strengthen the diaphragm strength strengthen the breathing apparatus so if we're working towards an inversion and for whatever reason this week we're practicing and the body seems to really be struggling automatically the mind wants to compare where we were last week to where we are this week and always look at where we're not right now. And then there is that desire to push harder, go further, do more. Maybe we leave the yoga studio and we go home and we flip ourselves upside down in our hallway. <laughs> um, you know, so, and then, there, and then there's this attachment to whether we 
can or can't do and what that says about us and what that says about our practice. And so it's, it's great to have a goal. It's great to have something to work towards, but we should really hold that very, very lightly and know that, yes, we're committed to practice, but whatever happens, happens. And I'm happy to continue moving forward on this path of practice this journey of learning and self-discovery. So when the times come, and they do come where the body changes and, you know, maybe um, we experience some injury, uh, maybe we experience a major shift in the body, having, having a baby, for example, or something else, we're not completely attached very in a very um, intense way to that achievement that we had in our practice. This often happens too when students spend some time away from their practice. So they might, you know, for example, start a family or they might um, travel for work or whatever for an extended period of time, six months, seven months, whatever, and then come back. And when they come back, there's so much frustration, so much irritation around this idea that I'm not where I was when I left. The body feel, you know, the practice is more challenging. You know, I used to be able to do X, Y, and Z, and now I can't. The aging process as well can really um, affect this. Um, And so for most of you, you've experienced this on some level. When we go a little deeper... Um, and looking at this concept of detachment. And it'll come up in later sutras, but there is also there are also distractions that come up on the path of yoga and the spiritual path. When someone is very committed to their practice, they may start to develop what's called siddhis. Um, and these siddhis are described as potentially as being definite distractions and so when we're fixed on any one idea when we're fixed on any one um, reality that we're perceiving we become very stuck and so we're no longer coming from a place of higher understanding and knowledge and being able to free ourselves from um, the samskara the constant kind of Um, patterning that we have we're now very firmly attached to this idea of who I am where I am and where I should be and so so much of reality is tied into our perception and we need to really learn how to start questioning that and releasing ourselves as some of that. The practice itself should actually help to strengthen our ability to be detached. So I'm going to say that one more time because it's, it's fairly important, especially if you're a teacher. The practice should be giving strength and encouraging this concept of detachment. 
So I want you to spend some time reflecting on that and whether you feel your practice actually does give strength to developing more detachment. Certainly much of what we're trying to do when we're practicing is go inward and understand that everything is changing, that prakriti, that all matter, is constantly changing, and that includes the body and the mind. Remember, the mind is in yoga um, seen as prakriti, seen as matter. We are more than the mind, and the yoga tells us that. So each time you come to practice, can you look at checking in with, okay, where is my body today? Where is my mind today? And be a little bit removed, a little bit detached from wherever the body and the mind is. And actually practice a little bit of acceptance around wherever it is the mind and the body is right now. Sometimes one's much easier than the other. You know, sometimes it's much easier for us to just commit ourselves to the practice. And sometimes it's much easier for us to throw our hands up and just be like, okay, whatever happens, happens. You know, that's a very typical saying of, you know, the detachment. Whatever happens, happens. I'll deal with it. Um, some of us find it much easier to have and cultivate that attitude than others. And, and so if you are a teacher, you're someone that's working within the, um, the healing sphere, um, understanding where the individual is that you're working with is important. Life really can serve to teach us um, detachment and the importance of detachment. In fact, a lot of the stress and anxiety that we're seeing today comes from this um, holding on and this attachment to it should be like this, it needs to be like this, it should be, I should be very, very fixed ideas around anything and then, of course, when it when it's not so, um, then we find ourselves on that roller coaster. Uh, an established practitioner, nothing's good or bad. Remember, we we talk about this a lot at the studio. It just is, um, and that's how life unfolds much of the time. But cultivating this is is part of the practice very much so if you are teaching can you think about different ways you can start um, cultivating more vaidagyam for your students how can you teach them this principle of detachment or dispassion um, especially in relation to when they first start practicing their body and their mind so uh, we talk about this a lot in the in our mentorship and teacher training, this idea that, you know, detachment is something that's um, constantly being worked on 
even from a z- very simple point of view, um, teachers becoming very attached to students and numbers of students in their classes and who shows up and who doesn't. And I've been, those of you who are listening to this from the studio, I've been on a bit of a rant about it lately. So, um, you know, it's just, it is, it's, it's part of the journey. So just noticing when that comes up and working through it in your own time, part of the human predicament. So I hope this recording helped. Um, Just remember, practice will actually help to strengthen your detachment and dispassion. And the three things I've given you to really help with um, supporting your practice is this idea of connection, community, um, developing a time and space specific to you, and developing a practice that's very specific for you and where you are right now, knowing that that practice should change with you. Um, and of course, as I've just wrapped up by saying, this idea that practice will help you develop more detachment and dispassion. So if we manage to get this practice underway and make it an intelligent practice, we'll, we'll get there. Thanks so much for listening, and I can't wait to see you at the studio soon. Bye now.